there's one trend that's clear throughout salvation history. It's that there's a movement from promise in the Old Testament to fulfillment in the New Testament, from a shadow or a type in the Old Testament to the reality in the New Testament, from the lesser in the Old Testament to the greater. In fact, in the inspired, inerrant word of God, St. Paul speaks of this very movement in Hebrews. In his letter to Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 1, he points out, the law has a shadow of the good things to come. By the law, of course, referring to the books of Moses. It's just a shadow of the good things to come. It's pointing forward. Those things were written in type for us, as St. Paul points out in 1 Corinthians. In chapter 8 of Hebrews, verse 6, St. Paul says, But now he, speaking of Christ our Lord, but now Christ hath obtained a better ministry, by how much more he's also mediator of a better testament, which is established on better promises. So here we see that, that movement from the lesser to the greater, from the promise to the fulfillment, okay, with Christ our Lord in this particular case. Scripture also makes it clear, very clear in 1 Corinthians 15 and uh, in Romans 5, our Lord is explicitly referred to as the new Adam. He's the new Adam. So the old Adam is a shadow or a figure pointing forward to the new Adam. So given that Christ is the new Adam, and given the principles that we've just seen, that the law... The Old Testament is lesser, pointing forward to the greater, that it's a promise to fulfillment, that we have this movement forward like that and upwards. If Christ then is a new Adam, then his privileges must be greater than the old Adam, or else we're turning everything in salvation history, everything in the scriptures exactly on its head. And we're saying in some way, the old Adam is greater than Christ our Lord, the God-man, the new Adam. For example, we can consider... Adam's body. Now, where did Adam get his body? Of course, if we fall into the snare of the evolutionists. Adam goes home and says, Hi, Mom. <laughs> and she runs around, starts slapping the ground. <laughs> Dad burps and scratches his belly and turns around and eats a banana. That's evolutionist. It's ridiculous. It's idiotic. Okay? On that same note, we already know what happened to the new Adam on Easter Sunday, came right up out of the ground, just like that, in an instant. And so were the others that were resurrected with him. Because you remember, we can see in St. Matthew's Gospel, there were tombs opened on Good Friday, and there were others that resurrected on Easter Sunday that rose from the dead, too. Instantly, just like that. The new Adam is also the first fruits of the resurrection. So what happened to Christ, our Lord, on Easter Sunday will happen to us at the end of the world. We're all going to come out of the ground. Just like that. It's not going to be some creepy, weird judgment day, of course, with the modern scripture scholars. A day means everything except a day. So in this case, it means roughly 4.5 billion years with our Lord hovering in the, in the clouds, the angels around him, as slowly we evolve in the grave, you know, the, the, we form into organic molecules again, and then there's some kind of organic broth and a soup, and then you become replicating molecules make single cells, they all decide, let's get together. Then you turn into worms. The worms develop notochords, then spines become fish. The fish uh, pop 
legs out, take their scales off, become amphibians. Then the amphibians put the scales back on and become reptiles. Then they take the scales back off and, and put on hair and become mammals. Then slowly in some like horror movie made by claymation, this mammal grunting and groaning, pop, finally after millions and billions of years, you have each one of us. It's idiotic. It's going to happen just like that, just like it did with our Lord and just like it did with Adam in the beginning. Because where did Adam get his body? He was made from the slime of the earth. God says so. It has to be true. So he's made from the slime of the earth. And then God breathed into him that immortal soul. Made from the slime of the earth. But let's stop and consider what that earth was like. There was no sin in the world yet. There was no sin. He was made from immaculate, unspotted, untainted soil. His body was made from untainted soil. If Adam took flesh from untainted matter, are we going to say that that privilege was not granted to Christ our Lord? Of course not. It would be turning everything upside down. By necessity, we can see that our Lord is taking his flesh from the immaculate womb of the immaculate virgin. If we deny that, we've turned everything upside down. We say that the old Adam has a greater privilege than the new Adam. Christ took his body from the Virgin Mary. She's his mother the same way that our mother of each of us is our mother. Our mother gives us a body. She doesn't give us a soul. That's what Our Lady did for our Lord. Okay. Now let's take a moment and turn to Our Lady. I'm going to read you something from St. Justin Martyr. We know that he, before all creatures, proceeded from the Father by his power and will, and by means of the virgin became man, that by what way the disobedience arising from the serpent had its beginning, by that way also it might have an undoing. For Eve, being a virgin and undefiled, conceiving the word that was from the serpent, brought forth disobedience and death. But the Virgin Mary, taking faith and joy when the angel told her the good tidings, that the Spirit of the Lord should come upon her and the power of the highest overshadow her, and therefore the Holy One that was born of her was Son of God, answered, Be it done unto me according to thy word. Thus the words of St. Justin Martyr. What do we see? And I could keep on bringing out other things from the fathers. We see our Lord explicitly referred to in sacred scripture as the new Adam. We see here that from the earliest ages of the church, they clearly understood her as the new Eve. Our lady is the new Eve. So we can apply the same principles. If we deny a privilege to the new Eve that was given to the old Eve, what have we done? We've turned everything upside down on its head. Now, How was Eve formed from the side of Adam before he had fallen? Immaculate, unstained flesh of Adam. Parenthetically, ponder that evolutionary-wise. What's this growing out of my side? Slowly as this woman comes forth over generations, it's like a really bad, bad horror movie. Okay. Anyway, the new Eve was made immaculate from the very beginning of her existence, just like the old Eve was. However, the old Eve and the old Adam blew it. Our Lord, the new Adam, and Our Lady, the new Eve, 
did well what the old Adam and old Eve did not do so well. That's not all. Consider this from Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent his son made of a woman, made under the law, that he might redeem them who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We have received a spirit of adoption of sons. I don't think enough people ponder what this really signifies. What does this mean? We can call God Father because in our baptism, we have received the spirit of adoption. We've become adopted members of a heavenly family. Jesus Christ is our adopted big brother. He's the true son of God the Father. And we're the adopted sons. An extraordinary dignity that's given to us in our baptism. We should meditate on that. But if he's our adopted big brother and God's our father, that makes her our mother. See, Eve, we can see in Genesis 3.20, Adam gave her the name Eve, the woman the name Eve, because she's the mother of the living. And again, we can see this privilege, but at a higher order. We've all received life from Adam and Eve, natural life. But we know she's the mediatrix of all graces, and we receive, in that spirit of adoption, supernatural life. She's the mother of us in that sense. Okay. We want every time, then, we see an image of her, especially on a miraculous medal or a statue like this, where we can see, and straight on you can't, but from the middle of the aisles over, right when you're coming in the door, you can see she's standing on a globe. And what is she doing? The same thing as she's doing on a miraculous medal. She's standing on the head of the serpent. That's an artistic rendering of exactly how she appeared to St. Catherine Labouret with that very image standing out. What is she telling us by that pose? That she's the Immaculata. That the devil never got a lick in on her whatsoever. She's the Immaculate One. She's the Immaculate One. She's our mother. We've got a mother in heaven. We should turn to the Blessed Virgin with great hope and great confidence in any, in all, of our necessities.